Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to Spartan Speak, a podcast from the Lansing State Journal and Detroit Free Press focused on Michigan State sports. I'm Phil Friend, your host, podcast producer, and sports writer for LSJ, joined by LSJ sports storyteller, Nate Atkins. Nate, how are you doing on this lovely afternoon? Doing great. It's, uh, it's weird. We finally got uh, kind of a lull here after spring football game and obviously the abbreviated NCAA tournament for Michigan State, which is... Uh, it's kind of weird. I've been here now for two springs, and I've seen one tournament game, and it was a first four game that I covered at like 11 p.m. from my living room. So it's not been the normal experience trying to cover Michigan State, but nothing's normal anymore, and we're just learning to go with it. Anyway, if that doesn't sum up to the the past 12 months in the nutshell, I don't I don't know what does, man. It's been uh, <laughs> I mean, everything's been weird and crazy, and we're all just uh, we're all just trying to get through it, you know. Yeah, you know, I think I've covered just about as many games of these recruits we're going to talk about as actual Michigan State games in person this year. Yeah. So it is very different. Yeah, well, you have segued into what the topic of this podcast is about today is we are going to take a look at Michigan State basketball's 2021 recruiting class. And uh, that in- includes three people for three people who have signed basketball scholarships and a fourth who is on a football scholarship but will also be playing basketball. And those would be, of course, Pierre Brooks. Jaden Aikens, Max Christie, and Keon Coleman. Nate, I believe you have seen Brooks, Aikens, and Christie in person. Is that correct? Uh, I've seen Brooks and Christie in person. Okay, I'm sorry. So, yeah, so Aikens I talked to. I've talked to all three of them. Aikens I just talked to separately. But I've actually seen Pierre twice now. That's why that's what's kind of ironic about it. I saw him actually at the Breslin Center for the uh, state championship game that he was in. And so Keon Coleman's the one that I've not gotten to talk to or check out, but I know you got to talk to him. I did. So we'll just kind of combine forces here and see what takes we have. So you'll 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 be the host of that segment where I just uh, I spout on about Keon Coleman and what he can bring to the Spartans, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. You tell us whether he's right with the uh, Russell Westbrook comparisons and your <laughs> judgment. Yeah, he uh, you know whether he's a top one hundred uh, recruit in both football and basketball as well. And there's a lot to a lot to dive into. All right. Well, I'll let, tell you, if their if their fourth best recruit in this class is Russell Westbrook, uh, we could be in for something the next couple of years. Be in for something special for sure. And that's not even including the potential of Imani Bates just deciding on, on a win, win <laughs> yeah. one day here that he's going to enroll in Michigan State for the fall. <laughs> just, just leaving out the best recruit since LeBron James from all that discussion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, let's start here. Uh, with the guy you have seen twice, and that is Pierre Brooks. He last week or two weeks ago, uh, he was named Michigan's Mister Basketball after leading uh, Trey Douglas. He just recently led his team to a state championship, and as you said in the intro, there you have seen him twice. And I think there are some people that are tabbing him as kind of the standout, you know, a potential standout, the potential standout recruit of this class. Uh, off off mic, I have 
I have expressed a few reservations, mostly considering the fact that he is, you know, playing Division Four, and I know that the Michigan State Twitter would wipe away any concerns or anyone who even uh, has the gall to suggest that. But uh, for you, what are, what are your thoughts on Brooks now that you've seen him in person twice? Oh well, when you talk about some people are talking about him as the top recruit, I, that might be a certain person we work with named Graham Couch, right? Well, uh, yes. I mean, he's probably the one I t- talk to about it most, but I don't think he's the only one. I don't think he's the only no, one who thinks not. that. No, it's. I mean, it's. I I get some of the uh, you know the natural buzz that forms for a guy that you know a, the next Detroit recruit coming to Michigan State. Some of those fans got to check him out when he was at the Breslin Center, and certainly, I think when you watch him, and, and, and maybe that's been part of his more. Maybe he's been more visible to people around here. At least they see his highlights with the. D zone and whatnot. When you watch him, I mean, as a high school player and just as a, a basketball player right now, I mean, he's the most exciting, or at least the most uh, kind of consistently in the middle of everything of this group. I mean, this is a guy that his team is built around him doing absolutely everything. He will bring the ball up the court. He will. Uh, he will. He'll kind of guide the offense. He will shoot when he wants to shoot right away early in the shot clock from deep. He'll. He'll. he'll he's kind of the guy in the middle. Um, sky and for offensive boards he's he's the post defender and he's averaging like 30 some points a game a lot of these games that he'll play and, and even the games where he's not really very sharp which is where I would I'd actually say that state title game I watched was not a great offensive performance for him there's still kind of a way he kind of has this accumulating effect where he just kind of gets enough points on top of all the rebounds and steals and blocks and assists and he just kind of has this all-around presence to him so um the hard thing is kind of trying to figure out how that translates to the next level because uh, as you mentioned with some of your off mic reservations he does play at a very low level um there in class four and um certainly that playoff run i think he certainly ran into a lot of teams that just didn't have the size or athleticism to really content with a player like that. I will say for, for what I got to check out when I went to see them, see him in Detroit, you know, just in a regular season game and they faced a team that was one in seven and it was, it was probably the worst game he's ever played, but it showed me you know, that that team might've been one in seven and in class four, but they've got athletes in Detroit, no matter what these guys, these kids are tough and and they can keep up athletically and so there are some challenges there that are more than maybe you would you would just assume. But nonetheless, I mean, it's different to get to a level like the Big Ten or obviously when he's in the NCAA tournament where it's a mix of both, where you have actual athletes, actual size, but also guys that are coached up and, and know what they're doing. And that's going to be the next challenge for him. So I kind of see Pierre as this uh, very high floor player. It's He's the guy that I would bet staying the longest to this group, um, just the hometown kid who's who kind of i think will enjoy really any facet of the game that he gets thrown into i think he knows yeah you were the star detroit douglas but you're coming to michigan state to just be one of many pieces and that i think that really excites him to be in a class with you know a star point guard potentially and Jaden nakins and guys who can shoot like max christie and you know if he wanted to just be the the detroit douglas star at his next school you know he would have gone maybe maybe somewhere that's rebuilding type program or or maybe even a lower level but he wants to be here because he just wants to kind of own whatever role he's in and i think he has the belief and the work ethic to to think that he can do that in, in any variety of roles and that's what's exciting for i think tom Izzo because 
one of the challenges with the class that's this star studded is how do you balance all the egos and expectations? And as we'll get to with a couple of these other guys, I think it's a genuine concern on some levels, but it's not with Pierre Brooks. Yeah, even though I had sort of expressed my concerns about Pierre Brooks kind of doing what he did against D4 competition, but he but he's a guy who's also played high-level AAU basketball. So I'm sure Michigan State is, and everyone has seen him on the scene. And there's a reason, you know, he's as highly touted as a recruit as he is. So the, the, that's definitely a reason to explain why those who may question that may exactly be wrong. I think the comment I always say to you about Brooks and and Keon Coleman is that when you watch their high school highlights and everything, you know, I use the a soccer expression when you when joking about the level of competition they're playing. So it looks like they're playing against a farmers league, as <laughs> I've used to a million times here. And and I think you get that sense too, especially when you watch Keon Coleman's film. And because uh, Coleman, man, he I mean for better or for worse, uh, he he put up some crazy stats as a high school senior. And uh, I think there's a little bit of truth into it. Uh, the aforementioned Graham Couch said on our podcast last week, when if you got if Keon Coleman were to give you an honest answer, he probably sees himself more as a basketball player than a football player. But and regardless of that, he's he'll be on scholarship to play football at Michigan State. So I think that's an interesting dynamic between the two of those players in terms of you're coming from pretty small high schools and now you're going to be playing division not just Division One basketball at one of the most uh, one of the biggest premier programs in the nation. Yeah, well, I got a question for you because what's interesting is there are some similarities. I mean, they're two small forwards. They're uh, they're both around similar weight. Pierre's like two inches taller, but they both, like you said, they just dominate this low class and score all these points. So why is it? Why is Pierre Brooks the four star recruit then? And Keon Coleman, it almost sounds like he was begging teams to take him as a basketball player. These actual bigger schools. I mean, he was looking into going to Tulane just for the opportunity to play both. So. Why is there such a gap in their recruiting profiles of, uh, you know, as we see, they're both kind of small forwards dominating small competition. Boy, that's a that's a question I don't have the answer to, to be honest. I, I you know, I don't I haven't watched Coleman's AAU or you see if he did. He may not have even played AAU basketball because, I mean, even if usually yeah. if you play AAU basketball and you're that high level of a player, uh, you have like a you're just generally giving like a three star player on rivals or 24 7 stuff like he didn't, he didn't have a basketball recruiting profile I, I believe he did have a virginia tech offer to play basketball but that's about as far as it got for him so that makes me think i mean that might be speaking out of turn here but that, that makes me think maybe he didn't really play au basketball so that's why he was off everybody's radar but you know just looking at coleman's tape and taking the competition out of the context i mean he was almost always the best player on the court whenever he played for his high school so I mean, that, yeah. uh, but you, uh, I, I have a feeling I, that's what it is. Is I, I can't find anything on him playing AU. Yeah. It doesn't, mean he didn't, but I don't sense that he did. And if that's the case, I mean, that's where it's different with Pierre Brooks is you're able to see him out there in AU and you say, okay, well sure. He plays against nobody during the season, but we saw it against top level competition. Whereas Keon's more of this wild card who also is a little bit, you know, he's split between football and basketball. So it's easy to see him, maybe not being even as crisp at basketball when pretty much Pierre's dad is, you know, his, his, his dad's his coach and his AAU coach and has pretty much built him year round to be a basketball player. So there's probably just a little bit more readiness and also just a proven commodity in Pierre than Keon. But it does make you kind of, it is an interesting uh, dynamic with recruiting rankings is that is the gap really 
you know, four stars versus a guy who could barely get basketball rec- basketball offers, or is it just has Keon not really had that opportunity to go full go at basketball and prove it? That's what I think. Uh, based on how he talks about himself in basketball, I think Keon believes he is kind of, you know, forgotten about or underrated as a basketball player. And that's what's going to be interesting is to see if he can prove that while also being a football player at Michigan State. Yeah. You you mentioned they play similar positions, but a couple inches, you know, difference. Uh, what do you think are the best parts of their games? Talking about Brooks and, and Coleman. Definitely for what I've seen from Coleman, I just think his explosion to the rim is incredible. I mean, it's the same kind of athleticism and traits you see in the football field where they kind of, you, know, you could just see him as a, as a wide receiver. He's not that like Julio Jones type of style where they can just kind of line him up on in-breaking routes, get him the ball quickly and dare anybody to match the size and speed of him in the open field. And it's kind of like that in a basketball course when he's able to get his hands on a loose ball and just kind of storm down the court. I mean, good luck catching up to him and then good luck getting in a position to actually do something about it. And Pierre is similar in that sense to a point. I just think he's got a little bit more to his game. He's probably a little, He's not as fast as Keon Coleman, so he's not quite as explosive in those elements, but he's he's good enough at that. And then you combine that with, I just think Pierre's defense is by far his best trait. I mean, he is he has found a way to kind of guard elements of all five positions, but especially be a guy that just kind of rotates in the post from the guy he's on to, you know, protecting the rim to his help defense is is remarkable. You can just see how much basketball he's played in his life and how much he's worked at it between AU and high school. And he's a guy that just can create these fast breaks a little more. So I think Keon's better on the fast break. Pierre gives himself more chances at the fast break. But that's kind of where, uh, especially with, with Pierre, and I know another guy brought this up is Jaden Akins. They love Michigan State because of that style. The, the idea that defense creates offense and some of these guys think that's what they're best at, and I, I think those two specifically, that is definitely the case. Maybe I'm just overbuying into the the Coleman hype or Coleman. Well, by Coleman hype, I mean Coleman hyping himself up <laughs> on Twitter, but uh, <laughs> yeah, and his the, and his self-generated Keon Coleman, yes, hype. and all of his all of his fan accounts on Twitter. Well, the thing with Keon that I would say is like I, I just can't imagine he's a very polished player, and of no fault of his own, but. If you didn't play AU and he's playing at this low level where you can get away with a lot, I mean, I think about even like Jaden Reed transferring from the MAC and in his first game for Michigan State football fumbles twice. You know why? Because ball security isn't necessary in the MAC, but it is in the Big Ten. Kind of feels like that way for some of these guys that come from this low level. Detroit is just a very different environment where even if they, the schools are smaller, I mean, there's such a history and a tenacity and a and kind of a pride level that makes it a year round kind of. Um, bleed it and love it kind of sport so i just think pierre is a lot more ready but maybe that's what's exciting for with Keon coleman is that you get him some coaching especially a hall of fame coach and if you can find ways and i know it this is what Izzo's talked about is if you can find ways to translate from football to basketball um, that could really help because i saw a quote he he had where he is where he said the plan is to let mel beat coleman up a little bit and then he can come to basketball for rehab where it's like if you're if it's so intense and physical in football, then the stuff they ask you to do in basketball seems kind of light, but yet it's much tougher and more physical than most teams. So I think it's going to be a challenge to play both that way, but 
that's going to test how much Coleman really, really wants to be a basketball player, as he keeps talking about. And if he's willing to go that far on both levels, then I think there is a lot of potential reward for him in the basketball court. Yeah, if if Moneyball were to happen this summer, and I don't think it will, um, and even if it does, well, let's rephrase, I don't think it'll happen, but if it does happen, I don't think he would be allowed to play Moneyball, but that would be a case where I think if, if Coleman were to play, people would be like holy cow i think he would probably become a, a favorite just based off that and then that, that would yeah. lead to unreal expectations and expectations he probably can't match well and this is where it's really interesting is i'm just trying to get a sense you know we've had football and basketball players before but it feels like it's been a long time since you see that um you know, the julius peppers types um and see it play out this this year or nowadays where both sports just seem so year round. So maybe the plan for Coleman is he doesn't play a ton of minutes. He isn't asked to learn 18 million things. You've got this deep sort of crop of talent, and different skills just in this class alone that you think most of them should stay here for a couple of years. Maybe he's just that athlete you set loose sometimes, you know, that that he, he gets his minutes when he gets them and his, he's supposed to be out there maybe with the second unit to just kind of run things and he can be the star in small doses. I have a feeling that's going to be the best setup for him rather than thinking, okay, let's take him as a football player and as a basketball player and try and develop every part of his game and make him a star at both. Because like you said, just small things like not playing money ball or I think uh, maybe missing you know some of spring football with uh, with basketball is – it's going to have some kind of effect. So it'd be interesting to see how they manage it. Even though I agree with you in terms of how the best to use him, that's not how Tom Izzo works, though. He would never let him just, oh, here, just run free for a couple minutes and do what you do best. That's not really how Tom – Like I'm referring more to the like the Gabe Brown role where he is a bench player. He is an energizer. But you're not looking at him as like, oh, we have to build this guy into a starter – in year three, we're like, there might be a situation. This happens in basketball a lot where, you know, the, the five best guys are these guys, but sometimes it helps to have one of them in that second unit and they just kind of come off the bench and spark. You see that in the, in the NBA all the time, the Lou Williams types, the six men guys who just, they, they are a different animal playing with the second unit than trying to constantly fit in with this, this top unit, which demands playing in chemistry with them all the time. So, I don't know. Maybe it's possible that Coleman's just maybe he's got so much untapped even from a mental level and he can prepare both sports so well. But I also see what you're saying. I mean, this might be a blind spot for Izzo where he's he doesn't see it this way and he tries to force certain things. We've seen that happen (laughs) just with Rocket Watts at point guard and uh, the different stuff they did this year. So. I don't know. It's been a while since Izzo's had to manage this kind of a player too, the the two two sport guys. So it's definitely one of the most intriguing parts of this class. Yeah, and Izzo will have two two sport guys to to kind of monitor the season with Malik Carr transferring from uh, Purdue to Michigan State. So that'll be something to watch going forward. Uh, let's move on here and talk a little bit about a guy we've you've already mentioned, and that is Jay Nakins. I will say up front that he is my favorite recruit of this class he you know he's a true point guard he can shoot he's he's i think he's quicker than cassius winston he might not have i can't speak to his leadership skills or you know maybe accuracy from downtown but he's definitely got a a decent three-point shot and is a true point guard and that's something that the spartans sorely missed last year i before before tyson walker 
uh, transferred to Michigan State from Northeastern, I would have said that Aikens walks in day one as the starting port guard. Now, I don't know how that is going to work. I don't know if they're going to split time or if Walker is the starter on day one and Aikens comes in. But uh, I do sort of feel bad for Aikens a little bit in that regard in that I think he's going to be a great player at Michigan State. And would like I would like to have seen him be the starting point guard from day one. But anyway, your thoughts on Aikens? Yeah, he's the guy that in this class that I think has the highest upside. There's a route where he could maybe by his second year be just like an absolute star, like a like a Cassius in a different way. Like you're never going to match Cassius as the, or at least that quickly as the leader in the floor general, but there's more to Aikens's game about, you know, the, my gosh, the way he plays defense right now. And he seems to, you know, he seems it's, it's like the same kind of thing I said about Coleman and Brooks is he, he likes Michigan state because of the way defense leads to offense and leading the fast breaks. And he knows to get those fast breaks, you got to create the opportunity. So he's been guarding all four guys, or four positions outside the center. And at the level he's playing at at Sunrise Academy, that's going up against some really good competition. And he's just kind of taken that challenge. So he's this guy that could just like, in his passing is so smooth in that open court. Um, he, he just kind of lives for creating those opportunities. And then, like you said, can also hit the three. And we've seen him throw down dunks. So there's a route where he could become this just dominant player in all facets. It's going to sound weird because he comes from the highest level of competition of these guys, but I think he also um, he might have the lowest floor, at least outside of Coleman, just because this is a guy that's a point guard, but he's kind of been tossed around a little bit. I mean, he played at Farmington, obviously for for three years. Then that, you know, then he tries the the deal with uh, Amadi Bates's, you know, his private school that his dad created. That didn't entirely work out, so he switches over to Sunrise. These are mostly good things for him. He keeps trying to challenge himself to um, to go different places and work with different guys. But I think one of the big reasons why Izzo went after a transfer in addition to this guy is he saw with Rocket Watts, you don't want to just bank on the idea of a guy. doesn't matter how talented he is, how fast he is, how much he commits to defense. And even with Jaden, which is different than Rockets, he, he's a very natural passer. But it's still point guard is very, very difficult. You know, at, in in Tom Izzo's system and in, in Big Ten play compared to high school. You know, I was talking to Cassius uh, just a few days ago for a piece I did. And he said that like when you show up as a freshman, you feel like you have no idea how to play. Sometimes you just question like, what am I doing here, and will this ever work? Because it's a mix of play, being a freshman for Izzo and also trying to be his point guard. And then you know you just have to kind of take some lumps. So I think they're just going to try and ease him into this. And if it goes right, though, I do think he could be a guy that sophomore junior year is like, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say his all-around game adds up to something close to what Cassius Winston's was. You talked about easing him in and whatnot, but do you feel that the addition of, of Tyson Walker, is that a good or a bad thing? I think it's a good thing just because I, I just think it's it's so much pressure to put on one freshman point guard um, to come in and, and have to run that entire show. And especially after last year, there's a lot of pressure in that position right now. So I could see some downsides to it. Certainly there might become a point where you realize like, hey, our best point, our best player is certainly Jaden Akins. That's, I mean, he's, why are we blocking this guy? But I just think they, they felt like they had to, to safeguard it a little bit. And um, it's better to lean that way than to, you know, to let everything go off the rails because of a point guard position again. Yeah, I guess you kind of make a good point there about Walker. I guess it's better to be 
better to be safe than sorry. Um, you also talked about Akins and his decision to to leave Bates's basketball team, which is Yipsy Prep Academy. And you talked to him after he left there. I think you you may have talked about this in the podcast before. We definitely talked about it off airs that you kind of got the sense that him and Bates necessarily didn't get along. Is that kind of your read of how that worked at, at Yipsy Prep? Yeah, at least the situation did not play out to uh, Jaden Aiken's liking. And the more I think about it, looking back, is that I mean, you also got to understand just how hard it is to be an athlete anywhere right now. It's such an isolating experience. And so to go to a new school like that were pretty much the only reasons for basketball, getting ready at Michigan State. I'm guessing some of the any frustrations that did develop, you know, those just kind of snowball because that's I mean that's the only reason you're there in your unlimited time and if your life is basketball right now it needs to be as good as it can be and the sense I just got with Jaden who was you know he was trying to take a high road when I was asking about Imani but it just did not work um, given what they were both trying to accomplish and how quickly they were trying to accomplish it um, I don't know you know he had a, a quote to me that he said something about about Imani he said he'll be good wherever he ends up which you know, it was not the most ringing endorsement that they're going to come play together at Michigan State. Um, but I think that that doesn't mean he's not. I just think it, there clearly became a point where Jaden didn't feel like he could wait around for Imani to decide whether he's coming to Michigan State while also playing on the team where Imani is the entire – I mean, he's the reason the school opened. So he's going to be the focal point of the entire team. And if Jaden Nakins wants to come in and run – a point guard position at Michigan State, and at that time, this is before the, you know, before the Walker transfer. It looked like there's a the most wide open door to doing that. He felt like he had to get more reps as a point guard, playing with talented players, and and learning to play around them. And he just wanted the ball handling opportunities. That's what he he went to Sunrise for. Um, it's a very interesting contrast between that and, and Pierre Brooks always staying at his home school. And guy we'll talk about in a minute, Max Christie took the same route. So. Be interested to see how it plays out because it can kind of boost um, expectations and ego, and I think some of that is already what led them to split in the first place. All right, well, let's move on to the last recruit of this class, and this is Max Christie. Uh, he is a five-star shooting guard after out of Rolling Mellows, Illinois, and uh, Nate, you made the trip to Illinois to go watch him play a, a maybe a month, month and a half ago, maybe two months. Time was a flat circle in the pandemic, so <laughs> hey, maybe it was even three months. Um, he, he, I don't even remember when it was. It might have been in 2019. <laughs> he, he is no, in, it wasn't. It was in the pandemic, so whenever that was. So sometime within the past 12 months. But uh, he's another guy. I mean, Spartan fans are high on all the recruits, I guess. So maybe this is – take this for us. But he's also another guy that everyone's like really has high expectations for. And I think when Chris Graham and I did our <laughs> – when we – when we wrote the obit, when we did the obit pod for the Michigan, Michigan State basketball team, like in mid February before they went on their run to, to make the NCAA tournament, we said that Aikens and Christie would walk into the starting lineup day one. Uh, do you think that that and maybe that's changed now since then? But do you think Christie warrants that kind of recognition, where he might be a day one starter when he gets to gets here in the fall? Yeah, I do. See, Christie's the one I would pick as the best player in this class coming in. Um, this is a guy that, I mean, he is 6'6", 195, and there is some, you know, some holes you can poke into his style, his level of play in a suburban high school setting. I think it's better than Brooks's and Coleman's, but it's not. It's certainly not Sunrise Academy, but 
you know, Max has played AEU, and also his style of game just, I feel like it carries over. I mean, it's kind of like you watch Steph Curry do his thing at Davidson, and I mean, when you can just shoot that consistently and never go cold, um, that translates to a lot of different gyms and a lot of different you know, levels of competition. You can only do so much against a guy who's that hot from the outside. And Max is a guy that, um, you know, he spent this past year just really trying to bulk up. That's kind of been the lacking part of his game is he's he's not really a defensive type of player, a big body. He's just kind of stood around and shot. So he's added probably, I think he told me about 30 pounds since uh, since his freshman year. He's getting up in, in bulk about close to where Keon Coleman is. Uh, but is, you know, two inches taller. But to me, Max Christie's just that guy that he can come in and play around any good point guard. It's such a good theoretical fit with Jaden Akins because to me it, it's kind of like, um, you know, you think of some just a lot of the NBA styles, those those two guards and the way they play off each other. Um, obviously, Steph and Clay, uh, you know, is one of them. And then, and then the, you know, and then uh, Damon, C.J. McCollum. It's got that kind of a feel to it at the college level because Christie is that um, that good of a shooter. And the way he, the game I was at, I, again, I just watched one game, but I know this is, has happened in other games with him, is he will not seem very involved for a while. And it's like Dame Willard where it's like, all right, when's Dame time coming up? And there's just this stretch where Max, in, in the game I was at, was, was in the second half, maybe close to the fourth quarter. But he just... I mean, he'll, he'll hit like he'll hit like six threes in eight possessions. I mean, he just has that kind of heat up, and it just always comes. Every game he, he manages to get his points from three. And if that's your only player at the college level, it's going to be hard. But you mix him around these guys where you've got the defensive player in Pierre Brooks, you've got, you know, who kind of creates some things. You've got Jane Nakins running the point guard. You could see where this could be a really fantastic fit. And I think a lot of what Michigan State needs, given their shooting woes of the past couple of years. Yeah, uh, I think comparing him to Stephen Clay, that is uh, there's some bold comparisons there, uh, Mr. <laughs> the high school version of that. <laughs> well, you know, you know my, big, uh, my big beef with basketball is that everyone thinks they're Damon Steph, and almost no one is, and almost oh, yeah. no one can see that way. <laughs> I, yeah. Yes, it's going far to say Max Christie is anything like them, but he's at least a guy I give that um, potential to. He could be that guy who can just shoot from the Spartan logo once in a while and have a chance of it going in because I think his shot is that good. And I think he's that, you know, at six, six, he can do that and just shoot over people and, and make it work. Well, Pierre Brooks in the state championship game made that shot from, uh, from, from the logo and he did that made the round. So, and then he said, uh, he said he'll never be allowed to do that in the rest of his life in that <laughs> arena. And he's, Definitely right about that. If there's one guy they're going to let do that, it's Max Christie. <laughs> yeah, I don't even think Max Christie will, will get to do that uh, if he wanted to. I mean, he would get yanked the second that happened. Yeah, that that's good. He's going to have to save that for like you know tie game at the buzzer in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean, obviously there is there is an opening at the at the at the two spot there, and if Max Christie can meet the expectations and, and fill that hole. I mean, that's going to speak very well of him, and maybe how good the Spartans can be next year as well. Well, you think about like Michigan State when they the last time we saw them as a great team was obviously Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman, and Cassius just running the court open open court and they would just dominate the open court. But the one kind of thing that would hold them back at times is Cassius just didn't have these lockdown shooters to hit 
um, just in the half court game. You know, they had to wait for Rocket Watts to sometimes find a shot or Aaron Henry to sometimes find a shot. You do not have to worry about that with Max Christie. I don't think you'll have to worry about it. So I'm I, just looking forward. I can see by the time they're sophomores and juniors, um, this half court offense, especially with, with Pierre doing some things down on the block, there's so many different options for Jaden Akins to look around to. And I think it's going to be really hard to deal with uh, Jaden Akins' ability to drive, Pierre's ability to create, and then Christie just hanging wherever he is on the perimeter and could just knock down a shot even if you cover him. That's the theory. That's like the hope that it becomes. Obviously, they have to get there and they have to gel and they have to – so, so there's there's a way to get there, but this is I really like this class just for the mix of those offensive talents. Yeah, I think uh, you were mentioning the guys currently on the roster that would designate three point shooters. I think Gabe Brown probably also add to that list as someone they hoped would maybe fill into that void as well. Yeah, and that's the interesting thing is we're trying. To, we haven't even gotten to that is how do they fit around some of these pieces? And obviously, Tyson Walker is is the one guy in Jaden Nankins' way. But I've talked to Pierre about I think he he's there to kind of step in as Aaron Henry leaves. And um, it's it's kind of a, a similar player in a sense. I, at least I think he comes in with enough readiness to do some of the things Aaron was doing um, with the dogged personality and the, and the consistency of, of bringing it on both ends of the court, you know, without the shot at the same time. So that's a kind of natural flow there. And then I think Max Christie is just what they've not really had for a couple of years, which is a, knockdown uh you know three-point shooter shooting guard guy who's got size and can just shoot over people um it's kind of like what josh langford i guess was supposed to be on the offensive end and then it, it never quite got there so um akins is the one that i think is gonna have to wait a little bit longer but um i think they'll get some opportunities this year to to play enough around each other and then i think the hope is by their sophomore year and junior year that's when you kind of see this entire team take off and it's built around those three guys unless Amani shows up and then maybe it's just built around him yeah and then and then expectations change uh exponentially for the for Izzo and his and his program yeah you could see you know Amani just out of the blue deciding to to sign up for maybe the, in 2022 and Izzo just goes to Pierre Max and Jaden and says hey everything I told you about this year forget it <laughs> new plan coming in yeah well, he's got to tell that to the current players too. I'm, we'll see how we'll see how how that all goes. Well, that well that feels like a good spot to end. Unless you have anything else you want to add, Nate? No, it's just uh, it's it's kind of interesting to look to the future when uh, obviously this this past year's team was a bit frustrating and weird and hard to read. So not that the, not that recruits are ever easy to read, but I I think it's a little easier to see what their plan is here, and I can see why fans are excited for it. All right, thank you for joining us for this edition of Spartan Speak, a production of the Lansing State Journal, Detroit Free Press, and the USA Today Network. If you enjoy this podcast and the work surrounding it, please consider subscribing. You can follow our coverage at lsj.com, freep.com, and on Twitter at NateAtkins underscore, at Phil underscore friend, and at LSJ Greenwhite. Thanks for listening. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. 
From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.